news, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. 2024 is in the building. Um, happy New Year, Lauren. Hope happy you New Year. A great New Year. Hope you had a great holiday season. Um, I had a wild New Year. Because, oh, boy. No, not like that. I. It's just the OG trade kind of just threw everything into a flux. Yeah. No I, kidding. I, I had it's no crazy time. that we haven't gotten to talk about it yet. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. I guess, you know, uh, look, for the folks who are listening to this, you can go. There have been like five different versions of reactions and breakdowns and films that I've done on SDPN's YouTube channel. If you want, you can go and listen to those or watch those for, for more in-depth uh, look at the OG Ananobi, Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett trade. But I guess from your perspective, like what what was your takeaway from the trade before we get into the topic ahead. Yeah, I mean, without, you know, going too, too far into it or even repeating, I'm sure, a lot of what you said, I thought it was pretty well balanced. I think for Toronto, the only thing, the only, I guess, gripe that I would have had was I would have liked to see Toronto get first round compensation, even if it were he- protected, um, mm-hmm. whether they were heavy or light. I would have liked to see that for them. But for a guy in his final year that could walk at some point or or i guess in the very near future and toronto having experienced that a few times now getting what they got after having lived through that multiple times i thought it was a phenomenal return and definitely kind of helped reset the deck uh on the right timeline so i thought it was a great return not getting just one but two guys and so i thought it was i was very surprised that it was og but i thought it was a really well balanced trade and i thought it was a good move for both sides i think it kind of really helps define the paths moving forward for both teams, even though they are in such different positions. Yeah. Um, your surprise was just as surprised for me. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I thought, you know, even in the amount of conversations we've had in the couple mm-hmm. of weeks that kind of led into this, how many times have I said, I guarantee you, OJ, OG staying on this team. <laughs> I guarantee you right. Pascal is going to be traded. And then you, the complete opposite happens. And remember I told you, Mm-hmm. The Raptors go the unconventional route always. What you think they will do, they will ultimately do the opposite. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? They did the opposite again. Where were um, you when you got the news? I was packing my backpack to leave <laughs> oh, the house. No. Oh, no. I, I had plans with friends that I hadn't seen in a couple of months. So I was ready to go. We were going to get Korean fried chicken. It was going to be an experience. Yeah, it was delicious. Uh, And yeah, so that didn't happen. Literally backpack on about to leave the door. And you know when you just check your phone? And you're like... It just... I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going out today. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was that was the rest of my day. And also they lost to the Pistons. So that was uh, they did. another well, aspect of it. Yeah. What are you going to um, do? It, it'll be interesting. I, I'm sure we'll do our like takeaways once we actually see these guys play. OG Ananobi is expected to make his debut for the Knicks in an hour. Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett will do so tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers. But today we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions. It is New Year's Day, technically. Uh, We're still in the early ons of the 2024 year. And I think it'd be a good time to kind of look at what 
some teams should do, what their New Year's resolution should be. And we're going to go through every single team in the NBA, try to be as fast as possible, mm-hmm. and just talk about the the New Year's resolutions. Um, we're going to go in alphabetical order, so mm-hmm. I guess I will go with the Atlanta Hawks first. Um, in Atlanta, I just want them to build a more sensible team around Trey Young. Trey is averaging mind-boggling numbers right now this season. He started off um, kind of like a, a rough shooting stretch for him, but ultimately he looks incredible. It's like 26 and 11 on every single night doing so on ridiculous efficiency. He's going to be an all-star this year. Most likely is going to be an all-NBA player maybe. And I think if you look at what Trey does well, the ideas were in place for the Hawks to do that, like the Hawks complementary players. You get a guy like DeJounte Murray who can maybe alleviate some of the playmaking and scoring pressure off of him. You get 3 and D players like DeAndre Hunter and Bogdan Bogdanovich who can space the floor and kind of defend on the other end as well. You get utility knife players like Jalen Johnson and Onyeka Kongwu. You have your big man in the middle and Clint Capella. All of those, in theory makes sense in terms of how this team looks. But then you look at the standings and the Hawks, despite Trey's best efforts are continuously losing games. And I just, I think I would like for them to, their hearts are in the right place in terms of how they're trying to build around Trey, but they just need better players to do so. Maybe Mm -hmm. a shuffling of the deck. And I know that that is their intention. They've made, Bogdan Bogdanovich, sorry, DeAndre Hunter available in trades. They've made Clint Capella available in trades. So they are trying to go in a different direction. I just think that direction needs to be centered around Trey Young a little bit more. Does that mean moving DeJounte Murray? Does that mean prioritizing Trey a little bit more on the offensive end, finding guys defensively that kind of work with what he does best? Mm -hmm. I I think that's it for me when it comes to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, Next on the list, I believe, is the Boston Celtics. And um, for the Boston Celtics, for me, it's working on their clutch time offense. They're still obviously an incredible team. They are great. (laughs) Like there's there's not many things you can pick. I could have said, hey, win the championship is your New Year's resolution. (laughs) Uh, And that would be a pretty fair resolution to give. But I think in order to do that, they need to work on their clutch offense. They still shoot pretty efficiently in clutch. Their offense is still near the top of the league in the clutch, but the pacing of it is so slow. And you see that because I looked up their clutch numbers. They are dead last in pace when it comes to clutch time in general. Now, still, they are winning games because they're just good. They have a lot of talent. They're able to grind things out. But I think when the going gets tough, ultimately, they slow down way too much and they're trying to find a perfect shot versus taking a shot that's available to them. And I think that might come and hurt them in the playoffs. That is probably the one Achilles heel of this Celtics team is how are they going to perform in the clutch? Uh, So, yeah, that's it for the Boston Celtics. I think I have a double whammy here with the Brooklyn Nets, right? Yeah, I've got a few. I'm just listing them off. Just keep it going. Uh, Yeah, for the Brooklyn Nets, I think, you know, they have a plethora of wings on the roster. You think of... Obviously, Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, they they have Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal. And even like behind them, they have wings that kind of are like waiting to play and get playing time. Cam Thomas, obviously. I think they need to trade some of their extra wings in order to get a more balanced roster. Because to me, this seems like a wholly confusing team. Um, they're middle of the pack in pretty much every single category. They have not been good in the month of December. It seems as though you're probably pushing 
Mikhail too much to be the number one option. And Cam Thomas, his shot selection and his defense is still not good <laughs> despite the crazy numbers that he puts up. So you just need a little bit more balance on this team. Maybe an extra guard in there. I know they have a lot of guards too, but maybe an extra big man to help mm -hmm. Nick Claxton in the middle, something that I think they probably need to address. Obviously, yeah. the Ben Simmons thing is such a weird conundrum to have for them because like mm -hmm. he's taking up a massive salary slot and he's not going to be playing a lot. It just doesn't seem like he's ever going to be healthy enough to play. Uh, but this team is so stuck in the middle for what they are and what they can be. I just want to see a shakeup to maybe provide me with a little bit more clarity as to what's going to be happening there long term. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're that's one of the, the few that I think it's reasonable to expect that very quickly. Maybe not tomorrow, but within yeah. the near future for sure. Yeah. At least in the next six weeks, like explore what options are out there yeah, for this I team. I'd be shocked and if nothing happened there. Yeah. Yeah. Just something like do anything to kind of spice this up because right, right. now it's just like, what are we even doing here? Yeah. Like, what's the point? Um, Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets. Um, yes. So my thing is give more on ball opportunities to Brandon Miller. Um, LaMelo ball is obviously dealing with injuries. Gordon Hayward is out for a couple more weeks. I want for the rest of the season for them to get more on ball opportunities for Brandon Miller. He has been Really, really good as a secondary player for them, scoring off of the catch. But 96% of his threes are assisted and 72% of all of his shots are assisted. If you're, if he is going to be like a pivotal part of your future, the guy you're pairing alongside LaMelo and Mark Williams and all that, you need to know if he can create his own shot. And I think, you know, this year, especially given where the Hornets season is at, you can experiment more and give him on-ball opportunities to try and explore that area of his game because you need that from a guy like him. It's like right. you don't want him to turn into a 3-and-D player. That's not your goal when you're drafting him second overall. You need to <laughs> He needs to turn into you know the guy who he called GOAT, which is Paul George, and yep. you need to give him more on-ball opportunities to try that, in my opinion. So that is it for Charlotte. Um, I guess is it still me it's with still Chicago? still you the next two. You got Ooh. Chicago. <clears throat> okay, let me clear my little throat here. Okay, Chicago, um, pull the plug and don't believe. I think it is very easy for a team that, you know, is missing a player in Zach Levine, has looked better as of late, both offensively and defensively, has seen really, really good moments from Kobe White, have seen really, really good moments from Pat Williams, to think, oh, we're actually closer than we are. We just need to configure some things out. And I would disagree with that pretty ve vehemently. I think you trade DeMar DeRozan. I think you trade Nikola Vucevic if a trade is available to you. And obviously, I think you trade Zach Levine. And then you have yourself whatever those players can retain on top of, you know, Kobe White, Pat Williams. You surround yourself with something that kind of makes more sense long term and go from there. I don't want them to fall into the trap of believing that this one month or two months is enough for them to stick the course. Pull the plug. Don't worry about it. Build towards a better future in Chicago. That's my opinion. Um, for the Cleveland Cavaliers, just please get healthy. They like, like that is as simple as that. Mobley is out for an extended period of time. Darius Garland is out for an extended period of time. They've still done well in their absence. They're, they're now in a top six spot in the Eastern Conference. How are you going to look when everybody is there? And I think. That is the looming question with this team, especially given the noise around Donovan Mitchell. How are you going to make this thing work with the additions that you've made this summer in Max Struess, in a George Niang? Even Karis LeVert has looked pretty good for them this year. So, like, yeah. just be healthy so that we can see a full-fledged version of this team 
And then people can make their observations this summer, you know, going from that point of view. Okay. I think this is the last one after I pass it to you. Detroit. Okay. De- oh, wait, no, Dallas. Yeah, You're Dallas, Dallas. Dallas. Okay. I can breathe a little bit. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So with Dallas, I think everybody kind of is, is looking at who's this third star going to be. Right now, Dallas has log jams, believe it or not, at certain positions. Uh, and so I think for them right now, you've got guys who have proven, like Dante Exum, Josh Green, even Derek Jones Jr., you've got different guys that have proven that they have that next man up mentality and that they're ready to go, uh, even Seth Curry to a degree. But at the, the problem is that you don't necessarily have enough firepower at the top right now. And so obviously a big name going around right now is Pascal Siakam, and I don't know that that's going to happen, but for a new year resolution, it's that doesn't just mean this trade season. You've got the next off season and even, you know, December at the beginning of or at the end of this year, the yeah. beginning of the following trade season. So they've got three opportunities in this next calendar year to really try and go take a swing for that third star. Um, and I don't know if they're gonna be able to necessarily get that immediately in this next trade deadline because we're looking at the list of names that are available right now. Do they have the assets to pull that off? Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I think there are arguments for why they could, why it won't happen, whatever the case may be. But you never know what name is going to pop up next. You never know if a current player on your team is going to want a change of scenery. You just don't know what's around the corner. Yeah. So for the Mavericks, I think it's being prepared to add another high caliber player on this team to be ready to perform in the playoffs, especially when Luca is having the kind of season that he's having. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. The Pascal stuff. I, I, I hear you. And like, mm-hmm. obviously I, I saw the tweets that you had saying, Oh, there's like possibilities here. Yeah. Um, I just feel like in a world in which the Raptors are trying to get the most, obviously there are different teams that can outbid Dallas. And sure. it really just depends what those other teams are offering then you can kind of revisit the Dallas situation. But I agree right. with you that they're in a they're in a good position now, given the young talent on the team, given guy, a guy like Lively Blooming, that he's, you know, ready to take that step. Right, yeah. So I think that we'll see what happens, but I, I think that they're going to be aggressive when it comes to who could be out there. I mean, yeah. the fact that we were even having, con- I'm not saying that, Lowry Marketing is going to be a Dallas Maverick, but the fact that that name even surfaced out of the blue at some point or at one point in, in recent history, you just never know what's going to come up around the corner. So I think Dallas staying ready to pull that trigger when the time comes and put those offers, get the aggressive offers out there. I think they'll be in a position to acquire that third star. It will just be a matter of, of when, uh, and it's, it's very clear that that's where they're headed. Next up, We've got the Denver Nuggets. When you have kind of similar to when we were talking about Boston, you kind of got to nitpick a little bit because if you're performing that well, you kind of got to look at the little things. I think for me, continuing to prioritize the growth and the development of Michael Porter Jr. on the defensive end, he's shown some flashes there and some improvement on that end. I think just continuing to try and get him to be a bigger part of that identity on the other end of the floor, it's, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, it's going to be kind of a slower, more gradual. He's not going to be Aaron Gordon by any means, but I think just having him, you know, with the length, using his length, being in the right place at the right time, making the right reads is what they're going to need to kind of continue to, to not only find themselves in a position where they're stuck a little bit uh from a uh excuse me from a from a defensive or from a financial standpoint where they have his contract on the books but also being able to then bring in some of these young guys because you don't need to replace him because he's a nothing on defense you need to kind of have this roster be functioning the way in the idealized version that it can and you don't need him to be an elite defender you just need him to be not a horribly terrible one and I think that that's very reasonable for them 
No, that's a good one. That's actually, I, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what way they go and if they maybe make an addition, you know? Yeah, um, I could see that. I could see that yeah. for sure. Uh, very interesting. Okay. Uh, Detroit. It's, <laughs> it's sort of in the opposite <laughs> realm of Denver and Boston with Detroit. It's, it's like, how are you going to find something that you, you like, there's like 15 New Year's resolutions that this team should have. <laughs> um, my thing would be to not panic and buy something ridiculous. Don't go out there and trade for Zach Levine. Don't go out there and trade for Tobias Harris. That's not what this team currently needs right now. I think their focus needs to be shift shifted on fixing their rotation and enhancing the play of guys like Jaden Ivey, Asar Thompson, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Duran. And the fit of those guys is wonky, admittedly, but there are ways that you can mitigate that by finding fringe rotation pieces or rotation pieces that make a lot of sense for this team. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to go and make that big splash and add a Tobias Harris. You don't have to go and make that big splash and make, you know, go and do Zach Levine. And I understand they just lost 28 games in a row. It's hard to say, Hey, we got to just kind of steady the course here. But I do think it would be silly for them to be way too aggressive and try to make some kind of fix now. Let's figure out something now kind of move and maybe even potentially give draft equity to do that. Like that would just be a ridiculous concept for me. So I don't think they should do that. Um, yeah, that's Detroit, I think. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So, I mean, looking over at the Bay with yeah. Golden State, I think to me – the number one thing that they need to be looking at doing is trading Andrew Wiggins. I think there are conversations about Chris Paul, conversations about Clay and Draymond, but in my mind, the best way and the most, and I, I don't even want to say necessarily the best way. I think the most likely and most realistic option for them is to move off of the Andrew Wiggins contract, especially when you have some of these rookies playing the way, or not just the rookies, but the young guys playing the way they're playing, yeah. move off of the Andrew Wiggins contract and find ways to kind of bring someone in that, better addresses the areas that you're missing. Um, we've talked about Kevon Looney having a, a down year per se. Yeah. And so I think that for them, identifying the right guy that's out there, you do, I'm not saying that, oh, if you got to go trade for a big, it has to be Jared Allen, Clint Capella. It doesn't. The Utah Jazz, who we'll get to in a bit, have a massive logjam in the front court. So going out and finding a Kelly Olenek, someone who fits the system, someone who fits right. what you're looking for and adds more size, I think – that will be incredibly useful for them, but then also just addressing the financial burden that unfortunately Andrew Wiggins is, is putting on them uh, will be a big, a big thing that they need to address. Yeah, uh, that's fair. That's fair. So next up, Houston. So with Houston, I wanted to keep it kind of broad because I think a lot of people would say that they've exceeded expectations this year and that some yeah. of the guys like Alper and Changun specifically has really kind of opened some eyes. I think for them trying to get a little feisty in the play in make the playoffs to me that it should be their new year's resolution. I don't think you need to necessarily zone in on one area uh, in terms of roster changes or, or making any acquisitions or anything like that. I think there's definitely places that can be improved and even opportunities to maximize on with guys that are quality players, but are not cracking the rotation. Yeah. Um, even just picking up some second round picks. Yeah. I, you can definitely go that route. And I think that they should and probably will. But I think for them getting that playoff experience, you've brought in the vets, you're performing well, you've got a good, a good thing going with Udoka. I think getting that playoff experience, that competitive basketball that, that they've been playing, but in a playoff atmosphere, or even just a play in atmosphere is something that would go a long way for them. That is a good point. Uh, and I, I actually think with Houston, uh, because of those expectations, you don't want them to go out and be too aggressive 
Uh, I feel like just kind of stick the course, see what yeah. you have with Don't this rush. group. Um, and also give give some time to Jalen Green. I know there's been a yeah. lot of conversation about how disappointing he's been. <laughs> Afford him the patience because, mm-hmm. you know, you're throwing in a guy like Fred Van Vliet who high usage guard is is taking the ball a lot. How he's going to be able to work alongside a guy like that is a developing thing. You can't mm-hmm. – that's not something that's going to be done overnight. Um, okay. For the Indiana Pacers, I had – Quite simply, just play Andrew Nembard more. That's it. Um, like it's very simple, but this year he's averaging 20 minutes a game. Last year in his rookie season, it was 27.6. Obviously, they're a very different team this year. So it's, it's kind of tough given, you know, their own aspirations. But I do think Nembard is one of their best defenders, one of the best point of attack defenders on the team. I think he's versatile enough to guard multiple positions as well. And the Pacers desperately need defense uh and he kind of fits that formula very very well for them i understand tj mcconnell is more of a change of pace guard a guy who can come in and be his own offensive engine off of the bench but nembard is actually a pretty important part of this future if you're considering building a proper team around halliburton or trade him you know if you're not going to play him he he was one of the more blossoming (laughs) awesome stories in the nba to start the year start last year give him the opportunity or find a different home for him, is my opinion. So play Andrew Nembard. Very, very simply. That's, uh, yeah. And I know yeah. you have a bunch now, right? You, you're going on a little bit I do. Bit I've of got a, a bit of a streak. I've got, okay. well, I've got, I got three, and then we're back with you. Oh, for, yeah. I think yeah, two. you're right. Um, but, yeah, okay. So starting with the Clippers, in my mind, this may be a little controversial. But in my mind, you maximize on the P.J. Tucker Zubac contracts and attach Terrence Mann. To me, it's done. You're. I cannot envision a world where the Clippers are right now. It's very clear. It's, it's Kawhi, PG, Russ, and Harden. They're going to move yep. forward with that. We've talked about the stadium, the business, um, even just the, the revenue advantages of having big names like that on your team. So it's clear that they're going to move forward with that. And I'm not saying that they should or shouldn't. I don't even think we're at a point where you can say they should or shouldn't right now. But right. in my mind, this team is not ready to win a title. And that is the ultimate goal for this team. It's like, title or bust every single year with this talent, this much money being spent and this talented of a group. And so in my mind, you attach Terrence Mann, you go out there and you actually make a move that kind of complements the roster and helps address some of the areas where they've really struggled. I think if they can do that, I mean, the record is, is, is solid right now. They went on a run. They've been pretty solid, but at the same time, there are still areas that they can improve uh, looking at even they're th- they get a lot of they're, they're shooting well they're shooting the three ball well but their field goal attempts and their three point attempts they're just not getting that many up and they're middle of the pack in rebounding so I think there are areas that you can very clearly improve there that, that that will help and be more impactful in a playoff environment I think that that's where I would start with the Clippers um, and I think this is the year to do it with like I said the PJ Tucker one is definitely one that you can move the Robert Covington contract even which I would be maybe less inclined to move that one but you've got right. options there and to let those pass you by I think would be a mistake yeah i like that that's a good pick that's a really really good pick okay uh lakers what do you got lakers yeah lakers okay so where do i start (laughs) (laughs) so i didn't want to go too crazy with this one so i just put you got to trade for a gunner you got to find a way at this deadline you've got some contracts of different sizes find Mm -hmm. a way to bring guys in to help 
improve the three-point shooting, help improve just getting more shots up, kind of surrounding LeBron and AD with with more guys that – I mean, they've got guys that have shot the three-ball well this year. I was yeah. looking at it earlier. Um, but I, I think that you need to find guys in a playoff setting where you're not going to have to necessarily rely on on certain guys that are maybe more streaky from, from night to night. There was – um, Torian Prince obviously shooting very well this year. Rui is slightly below league, league average, um, right. but but I think that you can still there's room for improvement there. You've you've added the size, you've added certain defensive guys, but adding again more shooting in a playoff setting I think will go a long way for them. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, um, I mean they they look like they're star hunting uh, maybe yeah, or at the point where that they're that star hunting. Yeah, yeah. and I, I honestly still feel like if anyone's going to trade for Zach Levine or find a way to trade for Zach, yeah. it's the Lakers. And so I think that would actually help them in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't hate a Zach Levine trade for them, but I'll be interested to see what a package like that would be. Cause I think that's where it could get a little hairy, but who yeah. knows? There was a, there was a point brought up on Twitter that mm-hmm. uh, is honestly entirely fair. Mm-hmm. LeBron is having an incredible out of body experience type of season. <laughs> like he's been like a top five to 10 player in the league at age yeah. 39. Just ridiculous. Anthony Davis is having a defensive player of the year level season. Incredible. Yep. Looks great. Austin Reeves, since he's come off the bench, has been incredible, immaculate. And yet they're still 17 and 17. And you sort of wonder if that is partially the rotation stuff. I know Lakers fans have been complaining about Darvin Ham uh, pretty mm-hmm. consistently this season. But I also just am curious about, like, what is the real goal for this team if their stars are performing the way they are, but their rotation players who, in my opinion, I was pretty high on just the Lakers' depth coming into the season, just have not performed. And how are you going to finagle whatever you have left outside of those three to go out and get someone else? Maybe from that perspective, Levine, Caruso – Makes sense because mm-hmm. those are two guys you think can add to that core and maybe, you know, the Ruiz, the Delos and whatnots of the world kind of make it make more sense. But I don't know. Sorry. Go ahead. You yeah. go on the, the next one. Yeah. Well, it's tricky because any significant that move that they would have to make in my mind would have to include Austin Reeves. And I don't know that they're ready. No, to they're do not going to do that. They're yeah. Just and so that. Yeah. I just am like, that's where I think things can get a little hairy with Chicago. So I think trading for, you know, even whether it's some of these young guys, you know, second round compensation, whatever it, it may be, I think a Royce O'Neal, even a Joe Harris, I think that there are yeah. even Doug McDermott, there are guys out there that I think could help this team. Yeah. Um, so next up who we have Memphis, um, yeah. Memphis. So here also I put it broad at first I put, at first I put just make it, make it, out of the first round, but then I'm like, okay, well, look. Are at- they gonna make it to the first? Exactly. Round? So I changed it. I pivoted because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not gonna bank on them making yeah. if they make the play in. If they do this, I'm not gonna bank on any of that. So I put, I changed it to make a consolidation trade, consolidation trade for either a big wing or a front court partner with Jaron. I do think that the Stephen Adams era is sort of maybe coming to an end in terms of just productivity that he used to have and kind of what he used to bring to the table um i think you know right now and again a lot of these numbers are are before with with jaw not being back yet but they're last currently last in offensive rating 26th in net rating second to last in three point percentage and their last in field goal percentage so um they're still you know they're improving there but i think making that consolidation trade looking at some of the areas on the roster where it's like okay some of these guys are you know we've got guys like santi aldama who's outperformed and it wasn't you know by like a lottery pick like Zara Williams or, or any of these other guys looking at where you can 
certain guys that I hate to use the word expendable, but guys that you're willing to move to go out and try and find a quality starter or someone to even just pair with some of the draft compensation that you have to bring in more playoff ready guys, because I don't know that it's going to be this year, but you've spent a lot of money on the Jaron Jackson, John Morant, Desmond Bain trio. And so you've got to find the ways. And I think adding Marcus Smart was, was a really solid move, but you've got to find ways to continue to kind of round that out. You can't just stop now. And so I think yeah. that this would be a good year to make a consolidation trade, consolidation trade, get that sample size of, of time together where no matter what happens this season, at least you have, you know, however many months until the end with a, a potentially somewhat new group and barring any offseason trades. So I think that that's, that's a good direction for Memphis to go given where their current landscape is uh, at, at this point in the season. They're sort of an interesting Pascal destination, although... Yeah, they are. I, just- I agree. Yeah, I just I don't know how the money would work with that is the big issue. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's probably a part of a lot of the reasons it's hard to trade Pascal. Um Yeah. Okay, for the Miami Heat, uh I think inevitably probably not this season, but this is more of a summer or next year uh resolution. Next year or by next year, I mean next season. Uh I think eventually you got to trade Tyler Hero for something else to round out this roster a little bit more, especially because you have Hame Hakez and Duncan Robinson developing the way they have, you've sort of found two guys on the wings who can give you some of the things that Hero can do when it comes to the shooting, the playmaking, the creation off of the bounce. And I wonder if Hero being, you know, the young guard that can kind of get you something else, maybe there's a world in which he's actually the piece to attach to get something to pair alongside Bam and Jimmy. I kind of want a better option at point guard. Kyle Lowry is getting older. Uh, he has one more year left on his deal. And then after that, I'm assuming he's just going to retire. <laughs> I, I, I like, I'm not, maybe he doesn't, maybe he continues playing, but like, mm-hmm. I would be very shocked at that. And then Kevin Love is getting a little bit older too. So you want that front court depth. So I just feel like hero, especially with the development of Hawkes and Duncan Robinson this season, I don't want to say he's the odd man out because he's still really important to this group and they're still really good when he plays. But maybe you can leverage that into advancing and improving this group in general. I don't know if that's something for this season, maybe something for the summer uh, and yeah, for, for maybe next season. That is it for Miami, Milwaukee. Um, very simply, just quite simply, just can we please get more Dame and Giannis pick and roll actions? Even more, because they have gotten better. They've they've steadily increased the amount of pick and rolls that they're running with Damon Giannis. I just want more. I want them to spam that in order for them to have the best offense in the league. They have that type of potential. Chris Middleton is getting back into form, so he's going to be able to help them. But for me, ultimately, you know, oh my God, by the way, Lauren, just as a side note, I've had people bug me because ultimately is my clutch word, crutch word. So really? I've, I've, apparently it is because I use it in like every video. So I mine need to is, stop uh, using ultimately. Mine is, uh, oh God, it's a phrase. Uh, fuck. I'll think of it and I'll, I'll let you know. But <laughs> okay, I have one too. My mom is always like, Lauren. Like, <laughs> yeah, ultimately is ultimately not a good decision. Um, yeah, I look, I, I, I don't know. Anyways, for Milwaukee, I just think it's playing with Damon Giannis a little bit more, being more creative in terms of using those guys more often. Um, Minnesota, what do you got? Yeah, so Minnesota, again, performing very well this season, so you got to get a little nitpicky there. But they are middle of the pack in pace, middle of the pack in offensive rating. And again, these are things that I think – similar to what you said about Boston and and what we've talked about with Denver is in playoff settings. There are certain things that are going to kind of get 
maybe not super exposed, but you've got to round out those things by the time the playoffs come around. And so in my mind, I think the best thing that Minnesota could do uh, is go out kind of similar to LA and find another shooter, find someone that can get shots off, uh, find someone that it's not necessarily pace. That's their, well, actually, I mean, they are middle of the pack in pace. So I think finding somebody to help them keep things moving, obviously you're only going to be moving so quickly when you've got Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and even Nas Reed sometimes, even though that dude can move. Uh, But you're only going to be moving so so quickly, but they're they're last in the league in field goal attempts per game. They're bottom five in three-point attempts per game. Uh, so I think finding someone like an Alec Burks or even like a Matisse Thibel, a Seth Curry, somebody that is kind of not that expensive to go out and get, but that can kind of keep and maintain the high-level defense, but also is a veteran that can come in and if you don't play them, it's not really going to hurt you, but if you do play them, they can give you a boost and kind of Dorian Finney-Smith is my Dorian guy. Dorian Finney-Smith, I like I like that. I think that I think that that's a good one. I think the thing that interests me most is that I don't see them being super willing to trade Kyle Anderson, even though he. I mean, I don't want to say he's like off limits, even though he's on an expiring. But I think looking at like a Troy Brown and like one, some of these younger guys. Uh, I think that is where they could go out and maybe get someone around the edges that could really kind of come in and give them a boost and, and shift the the distribution of, of youth towards kind of more veteran veteran presence, but also just shooting and, and getting getting that area of their squad up. Because I think right now that's something that I'm like, ah, I just I don't get it. But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, next up is. New Orleans. This one I stared at for a minute. I am not even going to yeah, lie. A, this is a tough one. Yeah. I put the organization needs to pick a direction with Zion. I don't think that you can continue to, oh, well, look at how good he is right now. Oh, well, now he just didn't pass his like weigh-in, check-in, whatever. I think that when you have Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum and looking at how they perform when they're together, when, when the team is healthy, you can't have the biggest piece of your puzzle maybe checked in, maybe checked out. To me, you're doing a disservice to the coach, the team, the players. I think that that's a big, big miss. And I don't know what that answer is going to be. I don't know that they could necessarily go out and trade for, like, I don't know. I don't even know who you would trade Zion for today. But, like, that's a very, very hairy uh, situation. But in my mind, we've seen this team perform at a very high level before. And so your number who who the person who's theoretically supposed to be your number one there is zero world in which it's acceptable to have someone that may be checked in maybe checked out that's just yeah, my no. opinion though i hear you i hear you. i think i think for new orleans it's like they have it's such a weird fit between brandon ingram and zion in my opinion because mm-hmm. none of those guys are prolific three-point shooters Mm-mm. um like brandon ingram can create his own shot but it's mostly off a diet of like mid-range jumpers and whatnot zion is feasting in at, in the paint but like you can see a world in which the team is built around Zion and it includes guys like Trey Murphy and CJ mm-hmm. McCollum and some of their shooters and the defense with Dyson Daniels and whatnot. But then there's a world in which you're building around Brandon Ingram and that includes Jonas Valanciunas. That includes like Trey Murphy also. I think Trey Murphy is a big key for all of this. Uh, yeah, but I agree. yeah, it's it's sort of weird with what's happening in New Orleans. They're like completely they're they're a great team and like there's great like prospects and just in general, how they're going to be able to churn that out into something that's more than just a fun, interesting team. It's going to be interesting to see ultimately. For sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. I got New York, uh, New York. I think for me, especially given the OG and trade, 
I would just want them to be a little bit more flexible with their lineups. This is something that has come across when I've jumped on Nick's podcast in the last couple of days is just the rigidness with Tom Thibodeau and his inability to be more creative when it comes to his lineup choices. Very, very stuck to his own guns type of thing. And OG is so versatile on the defensive end. His ability to guard multiple positions, one through five, et cetera, et cetera. He gives you that ability to be so much more creative defensively. So you don't necessarily need a big man on the floor all the time. You don't need Isaiah Hartenstein all the time on the floor or Jericho Sims or even Precious Achua or whatnot. OG can guard those bigs for you sometimes. And I would like to see more lineups where there isn't a true center on the floor for the Knicks. So they can be that more pace and space offense, you know, having Brunson next to guys like DiVincenzo, OG, Josh Hart, maybe Randall, maybe not. And like, that's like a running gun type of team. And yeah. I would, I would love for them to double down on that. Will it happen? I don't think that is going to happen next to Tom Thibodeau. We'll see. I mean, they're, they're going to play their first game right now. So I, I'm kind of interested to see how that would look like in right. general. Um, okay, you got OKC. What do you got? Yeah, so with OKC, uh, uh, I, there's a few different ways I could I could go here. To me, plain and simple, it's win a playoff series. I think for them, I could see them winning two playoff series. They're playing so well. They have such a well-balanced group that I think getting the playoff experience should be priority number one, two, and three, yeah. and just seeing how far you can take it. And seeing seeing what you have with this group right now, I think there are very intriguing case or, or interesting cases for why they should just if Laurie Markinen's available, go trade for him or go do trade for Pascal or go do this. There's lots of interesting like I and I would if they did it, I would love it. I would honestly right. love it. But yeah. they don't have to. And so if they don't, I think just staying the course right now and seeing what you've got, looking at, you know, how the season plays out and evaluating what you really do truly need, uh, I think that that's a good a good option for them. Um I also did want to just kind of add in there that I do think that something that they should kind of start to address is, you know, looking at guys like Usman Dang and and Trey Mann and some of these guys towards the bottom of the roster that you should be able to go out and get like second round pick or picks for like these were yeah. these were guys that or maybe were, not picks because they have a million but like maybe they yeah, can get like rotation they, players yeah them, do some you know? sort of consolidation trade or like they've got I mean Isaiah Joe has been huge for them kind Ky- Williams like he also provides a very specific need for them and so Aaron Wiggins also kind of similar deal there but yeah. I think right now looking at ways to not have got not find yourself in a position where you did this summer where you had to wave guys that you that were that were interesting young prospects but you just had too many of them so you had to wave i think they had to wave four uh and one of them may have been oladipo because the trade i can't remember but um you you don't want to find yourself in a position where you're just having to cut guys like make use of those assets while you have them so that's one thing that i'd like to see them do um and we'll go from there i mean we'll see but you're up orlando Yeah, Orlando. It's actually pretty similar in a similar vein to OKC in the sense that I think they need to be somewhat aggressive at the deadline in order to assure that they're either a playoff or a play-in team. They have slipped a little bit here as of late. They're four of six in their last 10. Their mojo is not as potent as it was to start this year. And I think it's an important year to give Paolo and Franz playoff experience. And it's important to give that entire nucleus playoff experience. The thing I would target for them is shooters, just getting, you know, by low shooters. You mentioned Alec Burks. I think that would be a great fit. Dorian Finney-Smith would be a great fit. Like just these kind of like wing types that can shoot the ball and space the floor for you. 
will help inevitably with this team. And I, I think that is all they sort of need to get themselves into a playoff position, into a play-in position, and give Paolo and Franz at least one playoff series. So you can see what you have. Like It's hard to really assess how these guys will look like in the future if you don't give them the playoff reps they need in order to do that. Same thing applies to OKC. And I just want them to make sure, reassure themselves that they're going to be a playoff or a playing team this year and not sort of let the team fizzle out. If that, if that sort of makes sense. Um, is it me or is it you? Uh, um, it is, it is me, Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> for Philadelphia, I just think they shouldn't make a splash trade. I don't think they need to go out and get a Levine. I don't think they need to go out and get a Pascal, especially because they can keep that cap space for this summer and just go out and like sign a guy that you actually are interested in <laughs> or maybe trade a guy that you're actually interested in. I would much so prefer for them to go after and target a guy like Alex Caruso, who I think would really pair well next to Tyrese Maxey in the backcourt. He would be like this stifling point of attack defender. And I think you can get away with maybe just trading picks or a couple of interesting young guys in order to get a guy like Caruso. So you're not giving up the entire treasure chest for a guy like Caruso. And you still have stuff in the arsenal left this summer and money left this summer to be able to go out and get another guy. So that's me. I think Philadelphia... Uh, should probably stay put, not do anything too aggressive to go out and get those big stars. Focus on like fringe guys that can help your rotation and help this team this season. Um, I like that. You got Phoenix. 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 Yeah. Okay. To me, this one is very clear in my opinion, maybe not for everyone, but I think you need to trade Yusuf Nurkic, break up that contract and get guys in that are going to provide you more of a boost. They've, they've right now, Obviously, the injuries that it's all been, the whole narrative has been getting all three of the guys on the floor together. But in my opinion, getting Yusuf Nurkic when you got him the first time or like when you traded for him, I didn't like it. I still don't like it. I think the contract is terrible. I think you need to take advantage of that and go out and find your big on the buyout market. Find your big in some sort of like jump into a bigger trade and kind of just throw some money in there and get someone that nobody wants. Like even like an Alex Len in Sacramento. Like there are guys that I think could provide Phoenix with more use than I think Yusuf Nurkic does. And I don't think that he's just absolute trash by any means, but I think that in a playoff series and in a playoff environment, that money on your books would be far more useful if it were broken up into better system fit players than a Yusuf Nurkic. And so uh, I do think that that's where they should go. I think what they've gotten from Grayson Allen this this year and even Eric Gordon, uh, I think, has been really solid. But you need more, I think, even when the whole narrative that Kevin Durant is over it, when that started going out, I think that's where a lot of people are kind of seeing like, okay, they need if you're not going to have these guys available, that's fine. Like if it's about just get to the playoffs, that's fine. But you have to have guys that can step on the court and like really give you something offensively and, and give you some juice so i think that that's where they should be headed i don't know who that will be but i would be surprised if they didn't make a deal will it be yusuf i don't know if it will but i think it should be um next up is portland so this one is tricky because to me it absolute and i don't want it to just seem like recency bias but i absolutely think you need to figure out a way to make sure that scoot is getting the time and reps to live up to the franchise cornerstone potential um, Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons are phenomenal. You've had Anthony Simons for a little while now. I'm not saying you need to trade him because he is a really, really good player. Uh, but you need to either figure out a way, whether it be a three guard lineup, uh, uh, whatever that looks like to make sure that your guy scoot is, is getting the reps. And so that's, I mean, that's a tall order, but in there, I can't 
it, one of the most frustrating things and for me when I'm looking at, oh, this could be a good draft fit or this could be a good draft fit. I hate when teams that are not good, uh, when people are like, well, why would they draft that guy? They already have guards. They already have this. And then you you like pat, like it just it drives me nuts. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. And so I think you've got Scoot. You've got him in the building. He's showing. He's giving you flashes right now. You've got to find a way to prioritize that even when Shaden Sharp comes back and who I think he's coming back today or tomorrow and then um their next game whenever that is and yeah. then anthony simons is is coming back soon as well so i don't know that it's going to necessarily be immediately that they s- do a, a super big rotation change but you've just got brogdon to find a right way. yeah oh yeah yeah exactly and so i think just just find a way to to sort that out i don't know what they're going to do with brogdon but because he's been decent so uh pretty solid right. so um some challenges there but i think that that's definitely a big priority for them all right sacramento so for the Kings, I have that they need to trade for a big defensive-minded wing. Obviously, they're linked to Pascal, so maybe a dream scenario there. Yeah. I don't th- we don't need to get into it too much, but I don't see a world where they trade Keegan Murray for him, but what do I know? Um, but there are so many guys out there. We've mentioned Dorian Finney-Smith, even Royce O'Neal. I think even inexpensive guys like Torrey Craig, Jayshon Tate, guys out on the margins that could come in and just be a system fit not cost you that much and just put you in a more playoff ready kind of environment. I think that that's the biggest area that Sacramento could improve, um, especially guys that have been in different situations that kind of leans more towards Dorian and Tori than someone like Jay Sean. But yeah, I don't know how interested they would be in kind of considering a Wiggins situation, but I mean, eh, I don't know. That's, that's a little messy, probably but. too much money there. Yeah. I think there's too much yeah. money there. I think there's a world, I mean, there's a money, there's a financial package where you can get Kaminga and Wiggins, but I just, I don't see that happening. And I think that that would be very risky for both teams involved. So um, Sacramento, big wing, you got to go out there and get it and prove the defensive side of things. Um, The San Antonio Spurs, this was by far the easiest one. Uh, You've got to find Victor Wembanyama, a point guard, a true point guard, someone that can help set the table, uh, build some continuity, someone that suits him, plays well next to him. Trey Jones is is, is good. He's, He's fun, whatever, but You've, I mean, back when when we had our episode with Noah and we talked about kind of their their starting lineup issues and their roster issues, the true point guard that you need to pair with Wemby is is should be all the priorities right now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean that's and by the way, kudos to you. You just went for like eight minutes straight. Respects. Did I really? Oof. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, Toronto. Okay, uh, for this, I think just given the trade and Emmanuel quickly and whatnot, I think the Raptors over this next year. One, need to re-sign quickly, which will happen. <laughs> He's a restricted free agent. Right. They will probably sign him. Um, and I do think ultimately you need to just throw him into the fire almost immediately. Start him on game one. Oh, if yeah. you're listening to this, you probably already saw it. And I'd imagine that he isn't starting game one. But start him as soon as possible. Put him into as much opportunities as possible to see how much he can tap into with the extra usage, with the extra minutes, and pair him alongside Scotty Barnes as much as humanly possible over this next stretch. That probably means, by the way, trading a Pascal Siakam to prioritize touches for quickly, to prioritize touches for Scotty. And I, yeah, I'm not going to go into the Pascal stuff again. We've talked about it a million and one times. It just feels almost inevitable at this point that they're going to move on from him, what they get, what they are able to possess after that, who knows. But I do think the priority should be to get the Scotty Emmanuel quickly two-man game up and running as fast as possible to make those two successful long-term. Um, Utah for you. What do you got? God, I'm so excited for, for Scotty and IQ. Uh, with <laughs> Utah, another easy one for me. Uh, I think you've got to address, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, you've got to address 
the logjam in the front court. Um, to me, I don't really understand how it was even possible that Lowry Markkinen was was even discussed as as being available. That is wild to me. But yeah. again, what do I know? You have Walker Kessler who has been coming off the bench again. A little bit of a head scratcher for me. Uh, and 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 you trade for John Collins, you draft Taylor Hendricks, and you have Kelly Olenek, who is like beloved in Utah, which sure, but you gotta keep your eye on the prize. I don't get it. And so I think addressing some of those those things, uh, finding ways to 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 uh, play Taylor Hendricks, I think you could even do sort of what Cleveland did, and they did it with Lowry Markkinen. You could even do like the quote unquote three big lineup if you want to try and get him in there at some point. I don't think that that's going to be immediately, but you've got to find ways to give him more time, give him more opportunity if you're going to be where you're currently at, which is like not doing so great. And so I think yeah. John Collins. Still a bit of a head scratcher for me, but finding a new home for him, uh, I don't think it's necessarily because he's horrible or, or a bad fit or anything like that. I think it's just you have a log gem, you don't need him. Look at what you can get out there and just try to bank or not bank on, but better leverage your financial flexibility. You don't need to be paying all that money to someone who should honestly should be on on a team that's trying to contend like you you just don't need him right now and yeah. the same kind of goes for kelly olenic just to a lesser degree i think addressing that better evenly distributing the roster and, and kind of looking at uh getting young or continuing to add young guys but also continuing to improve the ones that you've got walker kessler i mean continue to develop him which obviously they will do but you've got these guys they need to be they need to be playing like the roster that they have to me they're not playing they're, they're, I, I just don't understand their rotation, but um, <laughs> it, it's a real head scratcher for me. So I think address starting there and, and, and go from there and, and even try to get some some draft assets out on the open market. If they trade Larry Markkinen, oh my God, S, if we they go shouldn't. into the – if I, I know, they shouldn't, and I don't think that they will, but I swear to God, if we get a bomb before February 8th or on February yeah, 8th, I will lose my mind. I'll lose yeah. my mind. No, you're right. Um, Washington Wizards, the final resolution here. Uh, the team is not good. Prioritize the young guys that you have. And I think down the stretch of the season, give Bilal Koulibaly more opportunity. Give Corey Kispert more opportunity. More opportunity on offense to see what they got. Because ultimately, you know what you have in Jordan Poole. Yes, maybe he can tap into some potential, figure out his game a little bit more. You know what you have in Kyle Kuzma in terms of like, he's a pretty much fully fledged player. Like he's fleshed out. There's not much potential there to tap into. You know what you have in Daniel Gafford. You know what you have in DeLon Wright. Just trade, prioritize the young guys that you have because those are the guys that you are banking on for the future of this team. The goal is to tank. Tank as much as you possibly can. Tank next year so you can get Cooper Flag. And that is the gist for the New or- the the Washington was I was about to say New Orleans Pelicans <laughs> Washington Wizards. Uh, look, they picked a direction. Uh, maybe they picked it a little bit late, but they did pick a direction. Lean into that as much as possible and prioritize your your young guys. And ladies and gentlemen, I am exhausted. I'm sure Lauren is exhausted <laughs> as well because we had to go back and forth um, and just be able to you know rack rack up these New Year's resolutions for all 30 teams. Um, you know, that's it. I'm going to leave it there. Enjoy the New Year's resolutions, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed your New Year. Enjoyed the holiday season. We're ramping up into trade season now, which is Lauren's favorite time of the year. 100%. We got six weeks. Six weeks until actually five weeks until the trade deadline. Things are going to get really spicy from here on out, ladies and gentlemen. So tap in to the Objective Basketball Podcast with Lauren Gunn and myself. Thank you very much for tapping in. See you guys later. Bye-bye. 
at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gunn on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.